Hi, welcome back to The Cake with Ian and Jane. I hope you've enjoyed the new series so far and thanks for all the amazing feedback on our first ever live show. I was really disappointed to miss the live shows, Jane. I was away on leave, so there was some some recompense for that. But uh, what was your favourite part of the show? It sounded fantastic. To be honest, getting through it without messing up was really good Um, and not saying any words I shouldn't say in front of people. And then also at the end seeing everyone get to eat the cakes because so many people say to us what happens to the cakes and we do hand them out to staff at the end you know i don't go and sit in my office as much as some people may think and it was nice seeing them eating it and enjoying it and getting really positive feedback so yeah it was, it was a really good experience super well i i really enjoyed it and and as ever with these podcasts i learned a lot from listening to to the guests on the show well anyway it's a return to our main theme for series two today exploring what motivates our staff to do what they do. In a moment, we'll introduce you to the wonderful guests we've lined up. But before we do, we should probably introduce ourselves again. So I'm Jane Shepherd. I'm Divisional Head of Nursing for one of the divisions here at the hospital. And I'm Ian Crowley. I'm the Deputy Chief People Officer for the Trust. And on occasions like this, I become Joe again. (laughs) And joining us on this episode, we have Sustainability Manager Gemma Heath and Catering Retails Manager Katie Duggan. But as we know, people are far more than their job title. So what is the one thing that people might not know about you, Gemma? Probably that I can play uh, a few musical instruments. So I could play the cello, the piano and the flute. I haven't done so for many years. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do, I do still play the piano from time to time. But the other two I haven't done since I was at school. That's a brilliant mix there because that's... They're not all the same type of instrument, are no, they? No, you can't do them all at once. Yeah. No, it is string wind and... Yeah, yeah. That's a, you could almost be an orchestra. <laughs> set, set you up in the canteen. <laughs> yeah, come play at Christmas. <laughs> and Katie. When I was working at Wildwood, the door opened and it was Marco Pierre-White. He oh came God. in, table for one, and he sat in front of the kitchen. We had an open kitchen, so he worked to watch the chefs cook. And he had a chicken Caesar salad... Very quiet, but very pleasant, and he had no complaints. He didn't Excellent. do like a Gordon Ramsay. And... No, no, just quiet. And oh, wow. Happy. No pressure. No, I know. So today's podcast is an opportunity for us to explore what motivates our staff to do what they do. Um, starting with you, Katie. Okay. What attracted you to a career in catering? So when I left college, I started working in a hotel part-time on the weekends, and I just loved working with people, loved working in the kitchens and it just progressed. So I did hotels, restaurants, and then it kind of had a shelf life, but I knew catering hospitality was my passion. So then that's when I thought I need to do something, hospitality, but in different sector. And what was it like running a restaurant? What kind of experiences do you have? I loved it again. Like people, I just love working with people. That's what I that's what I'm very fond of. And, you know, there's new challenges every day, some good, some bad. You never know what you're working, walking into. But that's what I love doing. And how do you deal with people? Because there's so many different types of people. Yeah, you don't know of what's, course. as you said, you don't know what's walking through the door. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't know what, you know, what they're expecting, I suppose. So no. how, do you, how do you manage those kind of people coming uh, through the door? I mean, I try and be very approachable and I try and adjust to, to their personality, to what they're giving off. And then I go from there. And it's really hard work, all hospitality. Isn't yeah, it? it's hugely. Restaurants, yeah, late, it's very nights, hard work. Late nights, start. weekends, early, early starts. Yeah. yeah, all of that. But I think if you've got a passion for it, you you do it. That's just what you love. I just love, you know, ensuring someone's having a great 
night out a great breakfast even if they're coming to springs now on their lunch break i just want to make sure it's right and what they need for that short amount of time and it, it looks good as well as tastes good yeah like absolutely you, say, you eat pe- with your eyes yeah, <laughs> yeah but people come out for a meal or go to springs and they really have yeah. an expectation you know it's pressure yeah. on you guys to meet that with yeah food. and even in the restaurant you know you get your complaints but i like dealing with them because i want to rectify it. i want to ensure that we can turn a negative experience into a positive one just on how you deal with it you like complaints, Katie. <laughs> That's really unusual. Do you want to give us an example of uh, one of the best complaints you've had to deal with? I, it was on Mother's Day when I worked at the restaurant and there was a slight wait on food because we were, you know, full to the quite busy, quite busy on Mother's <laughs> Day. And this gentleman, and I went over and explained, there is a, there is a slight wait, but, you know, I'm going to get you some drinks and you know, I'm on the case. But he told me that he'd ruined his Mother's Day and I just felt really hurt by that because... I don't want to ever ruin someone's day or outing. But I approached it um, in the best way I felt I could. He was quite upset. But then together, it you know, he left happy. And I just feel like if everything went smooth sailing all the time and there was no complaints, there was no issues or challenges, it would be slightly kind of mundane. You know, there's there are some times where you need a challenge and I don't want people to ever be unhappy or disappointed, but I feel like turning it around, there's a sense of satisfaction within that. You like to be kept on your toes. <laughs> yeah, like to be kept on my toes. So Gemma, Katie's described a passion for catering from a young age. What were you interested in doing when you were young? Um, so I didn't really know, to be honest. Uh, I did my GCSEs, A-levels and didn't really have a plan. It was either going to be, I think, between teaching or law. And neither of those immediately happened. Went into accountancy, started to train in auditing, found it really dull. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, disliked being disliked as soon as you walked in the yep. door, being an auditor. So, um, yeah, it um, took a bit of a change on that. Actually came to the hospital and started in payroll, which um, was great while, while I did it, but just knew that it probably wasn't really for me. And then I started to get really poorly and was told that effectively, cutting a very long story short, um, I needed a hysterectomy and I was 21. So um, yeah, so I had to go through a couple of years of IVF to have my son, who um, is fantastic actually. (laughs) Um, But it meant at 25, I then had the hysterectomy. So kind of my career as such had to be put on hold while I literally focused on that for a few years. And then when um, I brought him home from hospital, on the day I brought him home, this was crazy, I'd signed up to do a full law degree through the Open University and um, took my son home, put him on the sofa in the car seat, looked at him and panicked and thought, how do you bring one of these up? Yeah. And then the postman knocked on my door and said, here are your books for your law degree. Oh my word. And I did think, what have I done? But yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of me really. And I did that for five years. That sounds brought him up. pretty much like a full-time career to me. bringing up a a baby and doing an open university law degree yes that's uh, and so how did you how did you work your way through that oh I completely winged it to be honest um I just between feeds it was reading books and doing what I had to do and then just literally nailing the assignments that were due every month over one weekend um and then yeah it was five years my final year um I failed 
the very last exam no. um, and restart it three months later. So you're a qualified lawyer? Well, sort of. You've got the degree, <laughs> but I didn't go on and do... I wanted to do barrister training, but I didn't didn't get that far. I, mean, I think that's amazing. I'm just in awe of someone coming home yeah. with a newborn baby. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is was amazing, mad. yeah. <laughs> and then going and stood that... And mm. law as well, it's a lot of reading. It's yeah. When you say you winged it, you obviously didn't because you had it. <laughs> but that, that's amazing. So what, how did you go from that to where you are now? So... It didn't all kind of pan out how I thought it would in the order that you naturally assume it would happen. But when he then started school, I just sort of found myself between the nine till three needing to do a job. And uh, I approached the hospital and was actually came on on the bank so that I could just sort of fit in with him and half terms and things like that. And was doing a reception in CT and MRI for a bit. Um, Then a bit on the A&E x-ray as well. And then we just had a phone call one day from the bank office to say, would you come and work in the charity? Um, they need a bit of help. So um, I did. And my son actually came to the nursery up here so I could do it. And uh, on the holidays, that is the sort of holiday club. And then I was doing the administration. It was only supposed to be for a few weeks. And uh, 14 years later. Um, <laughs> Still here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so. the Salisbury has on you, hasn't it? You've come for a little while and you yeah time flies yeah absolutely you mentioned about your health and the the need for you to have hysterectomy at a very young age Mm -hmm. um you obviously had ideas of how you saw your life heading and things had to change how did you handle that change how did you adapt uh it it was tough um yeah it was really tough uh to be told that and um I, I guess I kind of saw my life with 2.4 children, you know, happily ever after. And um, it it was it was huge. It was impactful on, on my life. And going through IVF was, was tricky as well. But, you know, I was very fortunate to, to have my son. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, I didn't really have time to... Um, do IVF again to to get the sort of you know as I said earlier the 2.4 children you think you would have but do you know what it's just I just had to get on with it and um, I had the hysterectomy and then have been on HRT ever since so um, anyone that knows me I apologize completely because I'm just a menopausal mess most of the time but you know you, you just I just had to get on with it and that's that's what I did I don't see it as a negative at all. I think actually it's made me who I am today and it's kind of I'm where I am because of it as well yeah. because it didn't all go in how I thought it would in my head. I wouldn't say that's a bad thing at all. I'm proud to be a mum. I'm proud to have achieved what I've achieved. So it's not a case of what could have been. It's a case of look what's happened. What has been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And yeah, I, I'm not really one to look back anyway. I just tend to keep looking forward mm-hmm. so um yeah I'm just grateful for everything that's happened really because as I say I think it's it's just made me who I am any any tips for anyone else going through a similar situation I think just to go easy on yourself and just take it day by day really I don't think anyone you know has the answer for how you're feeling and um just go easy on yourself is is, is how I, how I deal with it. <laughs> and and I think you were just saying, alluding earlier, Katie, that you moved out of the restaurant trade and, and yes, came across yeah. to the 
to the hospital to, to work in catering. How yeah. did that happen? What what made you So like I say, decision? with the restaurant, it kind of, I got to the end of my limits, if you, if you like. Um, I couldn't progress any further. A lot of my family work at Salisbury, but within the NHS. So it was just something always in the back of my mind, health care, but it, I didn't know the layers of catering in the hospital. And I saw an advert and I went for it. And yeah, nearly here two years now. So What's the biggest difference you've noticed because they're very very different customers or clients yeah very different customers um well I suppose our customers really are our patients and our staff so there's an element of of care to it I mean you would care about people coming through your door in a restaurant but it's just that in out kind of never see you again yeah you know their needs aren't as they're more of a want whereas the people in the hospital are more of an they need things they require different things and I suppose working in um, the health service, we, the, you have to have a menu that's deemed a healthy that's it. option yeah. and um, sort of supports people's immune systems to yeah. recover from whatever reason they were. Yeah, there's possible. such a vast kind of amount of work that goes into one recipe because yeah. we need to declare our allergen, our nutritional values, sustainability, sustainability <laughs> factors. Yeah, Gemma and I work. Um, together sometimes doing that so yeah and that's patients and visitors and staff coming into the restaurants here so um, I would like to point out the food's very good in springs as well good. I do eat there. I'll pass it on so, so Gemma you arrived in the trust and mm. you you described how you worked for um, the charity yes. doing yeah. um, doing a lot of work and support there which we'll, which we'll I think we'll touch on a little bit later mm. but you're now in a different role Yes. How did you move across to that role and where did that come from? So it was a new role that was advertised uh, for the trust. And having done 14 years in the charity, I just felt like I needed a change. Um, And I also felt that the charity needed fresh eyes on it as well. I think the worst thing you can be is a stagnant fundraiser, to be honest. Mm -hmm. You're trying to inspire people to put their hand in their pockets. And um, so it just came up and I just looked and I thought, why not? You know, I've got nothing to lose in applying for it. Um, I think I can do it. And, um, yeah, that's that's what I did. And I was, you know, hugely pleased to get the job. Sad to leave the charity, definitely, because um, I'd really enjoyed that role. Um, but it was time for a change. And, um, yeah, I've, I've not looked back. To, I love what I do. And uh, I think sustainability is hugely important as we go forward. And I think that we all need to get on board with it if if we're going to achieve you know what we need to achieve we all we all know the state of the planet we all know what we're doing to it and I think um that yeah to move forward we need to do it together you've got a bit of a thread of um lifelong learning running through your yeah. your story <laughs> um, and and I guess moving into this new role required yet more um education oh, and understanding yeah. of what is a really <laughs> complex area yeah. has that been challenging yes hugely it was completely new to me. Um, I've had to do a lot of learning quite quickly. And I've also started a uh, master's with Cranfield University in sustainability. Um, so, yeah, trying to do that on, on top of the sort of uh, day job it is, is tricky, but um, hugely rewarding again. I, I do love learning, I always have. I love reading. Um, I like being pushed. So, um, yeah, I feel like, again, I'm kind of pushing myself now, I suppose. But, yeah, it's good. It's fantastic. I think that that ability to learn throughout your life is just something I'm fascinated by and and always very respectful of people who do it. I think it's brilliant. 
And what is the trust target with regards to sustainability? So um, we have to reach net zero by 2040 for the emissions that we control directly. So that's um, things like our heating, our lighting, our medical gases, our inhaler use, things like that. And then for 2045 is to be net zero for the things that are also outside of our control. So that's like um, our supply chain, our staff and patient travel as well. Uh, So it's, it's a huge target that we've got to reach. But, you know, I'm hopeful that we can do it together and um, just engaging with staff and getting people on board is is the only way we're going to achieve that, I think. Has your role inspired you to make personal changes? Absolutely, yes. So um, before I started in this role, I used to uh, drive to work and um, I decided that I would uh, practice what I'm preaching and uh, went out and bought myself an e-bike. And I have to say it's made the uh, commute up the hill much, much more achievable because everybody says, God, the hill up to the hospital, yep. that's, that's a bit of a killer. Um, and the e-bike has helped that immensely. And I use it every day to commute to work, as, as well as obviously the environmental benefits. The health benefits to me um, are great as well. And also just my well-being. So yeah. I used to drive to work. It's not very huge, you know, not a huge distance at all, I have to admit. Um, and I did and I'd get to work and I'd still be bleary eyed and I'd need a coffee and uh, now I don't I whiz up the hill and you know you've got the cold wind in your face which certainly wakes you up but I do arrive in a different frame of mind and uh, ready for the day. And did the trust cycle to work scheme support purchase of the electric bike? Sadly not at the time because the limit was a thousand pound but we have just put the limit up to three thousand so um, people are now able to purchase e-bikes and they are doing so yeah. What's the most popular meal at the hospital? <laughs> Chips and beans. Chips and beans? Chips and beans and cheese. Not fish and chips on a Friday. Fish and chips on a Friday, I'd say, is a clear second, but chips and beans and cheese is the one. And do you ever get any really random requests? Because I remember once I asked someone if you could make panacle tea and everyone looked at me like I was an absolute weirdo. But I just... Well, I might do the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's a northern dish. It's just... I might do slices that. potato with bacon cheese and onion it's a pop a winter warmer okay add it to your menu there you go one but, but, the head but, but um, yeah. not requests it's more just how people like doing things when I first started if someone asked for jack potato with beans and cheese I'd put the che- beans on top and then the cheese and, the cheese, and everyone yeah. was horrified and said no, no 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 put cheese on the first and then the beans no. because the beans melt the cheese and I said yeah so many times I do the beans they say no I want the cheese I said yeah I'm gonna do it on top and they say no no you're doing it all wrong oh no I'm the other way around yeah, yeah I am. the other way around as well what yeah. beans and yeah. then cheese yeah. yeah yeah so the cheese melts over the top top yes yeah. just picking up on the uh, healthy options in yes. the in the restaurants in in the hospital here uh, we do have a fantastic <laughs> absolutely brilliant fried bread on a plate as part of our breakfast which <laughs> some do. and i wouldn't be one but some have said is a heart attack on a plate <laughs> how do, how do we justify that in the hospital it's all about balance everyone needs a treat and we do do a good breakfast sets you up for the day but yeah i'm team fried bread i love it <laughs> what is it you like most about working at salisbury um the people and seeing the differences that we're making you know, you can see the chefs putting a new menu and you can see it going up to the wards and I'm lucky enough to be able to go up to the wards and see the benefit it's having on our patients and our staff. Same with working in Springs. I predominantly am, am in Springs, but sometimes I try and poke my head in hedgerows. And again, just ensuring that we're giving our staff, customers, visitors what they want. You know, 
it's a hospital so I want to ensure that you don't know what anyone kind of why anyone's here so I want to just ensure that even a cup of tea and a slice of cake is exactly what they need see cake always works there you go <laughs> Gemma? Uh, very similar to be honest I I love working here um, I love the people everyone's very helpful very friendly and it just feels like a community to be honest um, and I think we're in quite a privileged position we're big enough to make a difference and I think yeah we're small enough to see that difference and um, yeah I just I love working here. Katie you haven't mentioned yet that you are a finalist at the SFT annual awards this year which is a brilliant achievement and congratulations how did that feel? Thank you Um, I was really touched that someone had put me forward for it it clarified that what I'm doing is being recognized and that it's worthwhile you know I love what I do and I'm passionate so the fact that people can see it and recognise it was, yeah, I was really chuffed, really chuffed. And Gemma, we had a sustainability award this year, the first time we've done that award. Tell us about that. Yeah, we were absolutely delighted to um, have an award category included this year for sustainability. Again, I think it's just great. It's just showing that as uh, Team SFT, we're, we're on this journey to net zero and becoming a more sustainable organisation and uh, the nominations that we had for the award were fantastic and all very deserving. And yeah, it was just lovely to see it included and to see the pride that those yeah. that were nominated um, took in, in being nominated and yeah, just um, what they're helping to achieve is, was just great. So we can't end today's episode without asking the question that I'm sure you've been waiting for all <laughs> afternoon. Um, you've already mentioned what cake you like. You said yeah. carrot, but lemon drizzle yeah absolutely yeah i'm a carrot cake top and then uh chocolate cake would probably be my second any particular reason why uh just the sweeter the better really (laughs) (laughs) nothing wrong with that thanks so much for listening to this episode of the cake and to our guests for taking the time out to record and my thanks to Katie and to Gemma as well. It's been, it's been fantastic and fascinating listening to you. If you'd like to listen to another episode of our podcast, they're all available for you now from whatever outlet you get your podcasts from. Right, Jane, fancy a slice? Go on then.